0: With anniversaries, Valentine's Day, birthdays popping up throughout the calendar, it can be easy to romanticize relationships and believe that communication is just always going to be there. It's always a key part of the relationship. But it isn't uncommon for couples to have periods where they just don't talk, whether that means not talking for a day or two or even weeks on end. And even though this kind of silence is pretty common among most couples, many people struggle with understanding why this happens and if it is in fact normal. And that's why today I wanted to dive in and talk about one of the most uncomfortable subjects in a relationship, and that is, what does it mean when couples don't talk for days? You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host, giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Is it normal for couples to not talk to each other for days on end? And one thing I want to stress is normal is a term that is not super useful in relationships. There is no one size fits all answer. Everybody is a little bit different. There are some couples that I've met with where one of the partners doesn't talk for most of the session and I get a little nervous, but it's made very clear that that person is generally just a quiet person. Person, People like that have an easier time, often, not talking for days. So it's not, it's not uh, super useful, it's not super helpful or productive to talk about what is quote-unquote normal when it comes to periods of quiet any more than it's useful to talk about what's normal in terms of sexual frequency. It's going to be different for every couple. Ultimately, when a couple doesn't talk for several days or or weeks, it it is a sign that something is wrong. Um, Even even people who are more quiet when they do choose to speak will want to use it to connect with people that they feel supported by and they feel connected to. So. When when your partner is withdrawing from you and you're withdrawing from your partner and you feel like you need that space, um, what's really going on underneath the surface? If you're the kind of couple that doesn't have a very chatty relationship, I want to make a distinction. Talking a little bit to each other is fine. There are nights even when my wife and I will watch a movie or a TV show together and not talk much, but there's a clear connection that is present in the relationships. We're doing a shared activity together. We're enjoying our physical presence, just spending time with each other. We don't need to talk ad nauseum about nothing to feel a sense of connection but when there's a very clear separation that's what we're talking about where there's no talking where we're not talking right now if some if someone were to ask you hey how's your spouse and they were close enough you say we're not talking right now that's what we're talking about here right here we're actually discussing the whole concept of having that really definitive we're not talking right now there's something bothering us that's in the air And, you know, we're just not talking about it. So what happens when people stop talking? Usually there's an argument, obviously, of some kind. And it could be something very traumatic that happened and it's a one-off situation. Or it could be something that's come up in the relationship. And if it was the first time that it would come up, hey, no big deal. But now it's the 50th time that it's come up and one partner's just kind of had it. So... The silent treatment that you give each other is often because there's a conflict that can't be resolved or has not been able to be resolved through your dialogue and through your efforts of trying to resolve it previously. So both of you feel stuck. And like you can't move forward through that conversation. And one of you had the idea that you just need to cool off or you know what, it's it's futile to to talk about it. So you're going to take a break in some way. And what happens? What happens inside? What happens internally when you stop talking? Generally speaking, your imagination... And your partner's imagination is going to make the situation much, much worse. Cooling off is fine. If you're in an argument, especially if you get what we call flooded, if you get to the point where your heart rate's up, where you're feeling tense, you know, once your heart rate goes above a certain beat per minute, usually around 85 or so, there's no use in talking. You know, it's been proven that, If your heart rate is too high, you can't hear what another person is saying. You're essentially in fight or flight or freeze mode and you're just going, you're going at them from a primal level. Whether you're yelling or you're sitting there and stewing, if your heart rate is up, there's almost nothing to talk about because you're incapable of hearing it. So if that's if that's the case, taking a break is fine, but those breaks should only be short. It's a it's it's a miss it's a common misconception that you need to cool off for a day or two. That's not super productive in my experience. Taking a break for a half hour, maybe pushing it to an hour, that can be productive. But letting things sit for two days, three, four days a week, then what happens is after your heart rate comes back down and after your partner calms down, then when nobody takes the initiative to restart that conversation, things start happening inside. Inside your head and inside your partner's head. Start saying, well, how come they're not talking to me? And this is this is what happened last time. And they're always like this. And I can't take this anymore. And you know what? If I had to leave, this is how I would do it. And maybe life wouldn't be so bad if I was alone. You start going to very bad places internally. When there's a fight or an argument that has happened and you detach resentment almost always follows. When there is a fight, I'm gonna say it again, when there's a fight or an argument and you detach from your partner, resentment almost always follows. And if you are a reader or a uh, student of the Gottman Method or the Gottman Institute, doctors John and Julie Gottman, they talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the four things that will predict separation or divorce in a couple more than anything else. The most accurate predictive factors for a divorce that exist in in human in human society today are stonewalling, which is detachment, resentment, which is happening when you guys detach. And then the other two, which aren't as, um, aren't as connected to the quiet, to the silent treatment, but their uh, criticism and defensiveness, right? So I look at them as a before and after. When you look at the four horsemen, to me, two of them happen before or during an argument, and two of them happen as a result of the argument. So if you are criticizing your partner, and saying you always do this, or how come you're like this, and then what happens naturally? If someone feels like they're being attacked with a criticism, they are going to want to naturally defend themselves. So they'll say, "No, I'm not. I'm not like this." And then what happens? Sometimes they'll counter with an attack: "You're like this, and you're you're putting it on me, All right?" So that's very toxic and can lead to a separation and will often lead to separation and divorce, right? But they're all connected. So you criticize, then you defend, then at a certain point, one of you or both of you feel exhausted from the fright and don't know how to move forward, so you'll withdraw. And that's where the silent treatment comes out, right? Detach, you stonewall, you don't wanna talk anymore, you just completely disregard the person's existence and what happens when you separate? What happens during that detachment, during that stonewall period? You grow resentful. They're all connected. You criticize, you, you fight the criticism by being defensive, then you detach and you grow resentful. And that's the pattern. That's the way that people end up apart. The most dangerous one of all of these is detachment, I don't know if that's the way Gottman teaches it, but to me, in my practice and what I've seen, when you detach and you create a space for resentment to grow, reconnecting is the death of the relationship. If you criticize constantly, if you're defensive constantly, you can kind of work through it if it doesn't lead to detachment and resentment it's just a way of you know if it's a way that you fight but then you learn how to make up and apologize you can kind of get through those it's not comfortable but you can kind of get through it detachment is where things get dangerous yes you can you know you might be saying well what if you don't detach but you grow resentful yeah sure so if you're if you're the kind of person where there is criticism and defense and you don't detach but there's resentment then yes, that could definitely lead to separation. But it's so much easier. It's so much easier for people to grow resentful when there's an empty void because we're going to want to fill that void. That's part of our human nature. Just like you should always be striving to bond deeper, to attach stronger to your partner, just like you always try to do that, You should always try to avoid detaching. Part of what makes being a couple so great and so magical is that when you're secure in your attachment to your partner, when things are going well, that is your home base. Everything is comfy, cozy. You could be yourself there. You can say wild things and people will forgive you. You could say funny things and they'll laugh with you. You could say sad things and experience sad moments and they'll be right there with you. And those blows will be softened and your victories will be sweetened because you have a partner. But you need to create a space for that. You can't bond with your partner if you don't create the space to bond, if you don't have conversations, if you don't have date nights, if you don't have moments where you feel loved and where you shower your partner with affection so that they feel cared for. If you don't create that space, intimacy can't really thrive and it needs constant feeding and care, just like a goldfish, just like an animal. You need to feed your relationship with affection. On the other hand, when there is no space like that and the exact opposite exists, which is that silent treatment, when you create a space not for intimacy to grow but for resentment and anger to grow, that speeds up the separation that could be permanent. So how long should you let a conversation turn into this extended period of silence? And that's a good question. Ideally, an hour, right? It's not always practical, though. If you guys start a fight late at night and someone has something to go to in the morning or in the middle of the day, but you have a meeting to get to or you're taking the kids to a soccer practice or something, you can't afford the time to sit there Take your hour break or half hour break and then come back to the table. That's just not possible. Sometimes the person is, you guys are just at odds. Your value has changed or some kind of life value in your partner has changed and you need time to kind of walk through it. And you might need to see a professional like a therapist or a counselor. But generally speaking, if you can make it happen where you say, hey, we're fighting and I think you and I are both exhausted and we need to take a break. Are you up for taking 30 minutes where I go into another room or I take a walk and trying this again? Having the maturity to phrase it like that will break down a lot of barriers in a relationship, especially if you're open to hearing no. If the other person says, no, I'm not ready, I'm not gonna be ready in a half hour, right? How do you respond to that? You say, okay, well, I obviously your feelings are hurt. Obviously my feelings are hurt and I'm sad and I'm frustrated. And I think it's something that we owe it to each other to come to a resolution on. And obviously we don't have one right now. If a half hour is not enough, is an hour enough? If an hour is not enough, do you want to just talk about it tomorrow? But I don't think it's healthy for us to drop it permanently. I think it's something we need to explore. Do you need a day? Do you need two days? What's really great about setting a time clock is that you have a destination. Whenever there is no destination, whenever there's not a time clock on anything, it feels infinite. That is just the way we are as people. If, I'll give you an example, if you had an affair and your other par- partner, right, your partner says, I don't know if I'll ever trust you again. And you say, well, I'm going to work to get your trust back. And you become a changed person and you really make huge efforts not to engage in anything that could be considered or even remotely considered as infidelity again. But the trust still isn't there. Both of you are in a space where you feel like there's there's no end in sight. Your partner's like, well, I don't know if I'll ever trust the person again. And you're sitting there trying to be on your best behavior, feeling judged, thinking to yourself, well, I'm a changed person and I'm never going to be trusted again. And this isn't fair. When there's a time limit, it makes things more palatable. So when I deal with a couple who's had an affair where there has been infidelity, I will put time limits in place. I'll synthetically just invent one. And it doesn't mean that you have to suddenly trust the person after a week or a month or whatever the timeline is. It means that we're revisiting it. So we're going to put that aside. Everyone's going to be on their best behavior. You're going to be receptive to the way that they're acting towards you, and we're going to see how you feel with a conversation in 2 weeks or in 3 weeks or in a month. When you have an argument that leads to silence in the in the relationship, it's important to put in those stop those stop gaps, those moments where you say, "Okay, We need to talk about this. And if you're not ready now, let's come up with a date. And it doesn't have to be right that second. I get it. I get if you're angry. And I get when it's just too hard to even talk about when you're going to talk about it again. If you need to take the hour or one day to just gather your thoughts, that's fine. But I would say don't let it go more than one day. Do not let it get to two days until you at least make a firm date to where you and your partner have a plan to discuss the issue. So if you have a you have a fight on Friday and you and your partner are just fighting and you decide, you know what, we're not going to talk anymore and the rest of the day or the rest of the night you're not talking and you just, you can't bring it, can't bring yourself to actually say, hey, we need to talk about this again. That's fine. Sleep on it. You need, to, you need to sleep on the couch, fine, I get it. Not not a great habit to get into by any means. That's, that really should not happen. <laughs> but if it happens, it happens. On Saturday, it's been 24 hours, go up and say, hey, listen, I know we had a fight yesterday and I know there are issues that aren't resolved yet. If you're not ready to talk about it, I get it. But let's make a plan on when we're going to talk about this again. Do you need another day? Do you need another three days? Do you need another week? As soon as you make a plan of when you're going to discuss it, it softens everything else in the relationship. It lets your partner know that the topic is important to you. It lets them know that you're not willing to give up on the relationship, which, by the way, is not something that's assumed. A lot of people assume you know, I, I have many couples that come in and one partner is like, look, it's a fight, we'll get over it and then the and the other partner thinks that every fight is the last fight. And that's scary. There are lots of people. Whenever they fight with their partner, they think this is the fight that's gonna lead us to get separated or divorced. And your partner might be thinking, No, it's just a fight. So going and going to them and saying, why don't we talk about this when you're going to feel comfortable? Do you need a day? Do you need a week? Do you need, you know, a few days? What's what's comfortable for you? When do you think you're going to be ready to talk about it? It pushes them to think like you are that this isn't the end. That this isn't the end of the relationship. And that's important. Cause when you aren't talking to your partner, It feels like the end. Whether you're willing to admit it or not, it feels like the end. But if both of you are saying, we're going to talk about it in three days, what does that do? It makes you think, hey, they want to be in the relationship and I want to be in the relationship and both of us are just really upset right now, but in three days, we're going to figure this out. Maybe we'll fight again, but we're both trying. We both want this to work. And that's huge. And so what happens in those three days? Most of the time you start talking about other things. Most of the time that silent treatment kind of goes away. I had a client once. The fighting was getting really bad. There was no talking in the relationship. The The husband would often leave without saying where he was going. The wife was left confused. And the wife ended up Just packing her bags after a week of this treatment and staying at a hotel one night and not telling anybody where she was. And the husband panicked. And when he came back or excuse me, when she came back to the house, he was livid. And and she was like, look, I don't know what you want from me. You're not talking to me. I don't know what's going through your head. I don't know if you're meeting with divorce lawyers. You're refusing to engage and I think this is over. And the husband said, I've been seeing a therapist for myself and I'm trying to figure it out. And the wife said, that's all you needed to say. And guess what happened? Over the course of the week, they were talking about other things. They were able to talk about their kids. They were able to talk about dinner plans. They weren't talking about deeply intimate conversations. They didn't bring up their relationship. But it settled things down because there was that signal that, hey, this isn't necessarily the end. I'm trying to figure it out. And then, you know, they were able to work on it with me as a couple. He had his own He had his own therapist. And then as a couple, we were able to work on, well, what's the timeline look like? When are you able to talk about it? And they were able to get through it. So letting your partner know that things aren't over and you're open to having the relationship work is huge. And that's the biggest thing to get over when you're in that silent treatment kind of mode, when you're detached. The shorter, the better, because resentment has a way of getting way out of hand. So the shorter you can separate from, you know, the shorter that time is of silent treatment, absolutely the better. But you have to be able to stay calm when you reconnect. So how long should you stay detached for? Honestly, if you can do it so that it's no longer than an hour, that's the ideal. If people need to calm down after an argument and just get what we call deflooded, you know, and so that their heart rate comes back down and they can listen, that's the ideal. But if you need to take a day or a week, talk to your partner, say, hey, I'm gonna need a couple days. In the meantime, you know, let's still function as a couple. Maybe there's no sex, you know, obviously there's gonna be some repercussions of having an argument, but the feeling that you're willing to work it out and you're willing to come to the table and have a calm discussion From a place of love at a specified date will really curb the panic and soften the pain that both of you are going to inevitably feel when you're feeling withdrawn from someone who you're supposed to be closer to than anyone else in the world If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships, then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass, if you will, about three secrets that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours, enjoy.